Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Um, that song, Living Hope, is, is a great song, um, but as we were singing through it, as we were, this one, such a poetic, like, dense proclamation of what happens at Easter. Um, I just loved it. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I am yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Just such a wonderful, poetic, compact proclamation of of the Easter weekend. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for a time to remember when you were crucified, dead, buried, and rose again. And Lord, it's a hard thing for our minds to fully understand what was accomplished on that day. But we are grateful, Lord. We ask for your leading um, this morning as we look at Scripture and continue to worship. And we just say that we are grateful, and we love you, and we worship you. In your name, amen. Um. Last year, we redid the patio in our backyard, and actually a couple of you helped with that. Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Um, I love our backyard. Several of you have been to our our place, our house, and um, I actually have no idea where our property ends, um, but it, everything's open, and so it just kind of extends and flows into the park where our backyard is um, onto the, the lake there, and no one has fences, and so you can see all the way down this way and all the way this way, and, and there's the lake, and you can see the, the, the playground in the summertime. You can hear the, uh, the kids laughing and playing over at the pool, and there's a there's, there, and then there's like firefly season at some point in the summer, and I, the, I didn't have this in my notes, but I'm, I have a whole theology now on fireflies, um, just in that I think fireflies are God's intentional creation to give gifts to children. Because, because think about this. You have a bug that doesn't bite, doesn't sting, it doesn't, like, it doesn't cause a rash or anything like that, They light up, and they hover about three feet off the ground and just stay there, right? Like, everything about this creature says, put me in a glass jar, right? Like, just, and so I, my, that's, that's my theology on fireflies. So, anyways, I, I, I love our, our backyard. It's a peaceful place. Um, it's fun, especially when we have friends over, and there's food and fellowship, and kids are, are running around, um, and sometimes in the summer, like after coming back from the gym, uh, like I'll just make breakfast and I'll just go outside and just enjoy the morning. The sun kind of rises up off to the right. Like it's just, it's just a peaceful place. I have a theory that a day is coming where we will be sitting in someone's backyard. I don't know if it will be your backyard or my backyard. We'll be sitting, hanging out, maybe enjoying some root beer floats, whatever. Um, but it will be like a million years from now. 
uh, and will be in heaven, and someone will raise the question, most significant days in history. And we'll like reflect on the last million years, and I think the Good Friday, Easter weekend will be the number one event. Like other days will get honorable mentions, right? Creation of the universe, Christmas, someone's birthday, whatever. Like these are all get like really honorable mentions, second coming. But I think Passover, Easter, kind of Good Friday, Easter, I think we'll take the number one slot because it was the cross that unlocked everything. Like that, that unlocked everything everything without the cross there is no heaven there is no reconciliation with god there is no peace with god there is no lasting peace between men there is no purpose on earth there is no church i mean without the cross all of humanity is literally just dog eat dog world survival of the fittest take what you can get and it doesn't matter if it hurts someone else and, and to be fair, like, we see a lot of that in the world anyways. We see people who, who live like that, and I think mainly from people who have not experienced Christ. Because if, if there is no cross, like, what else is there? Honestly. So we've been working through the, the book of Luke. And, um, but it's Easter, so I wanted, you know, of course, to give a, an Easter message. But I wanted to do it from Luke's account of the gospel, since we're going through the, the book of Luke. So it's been, it was kind of interesting. I was like, all right, what does Luke tell us about Easter? Well, everything, or, uh, everything about resurrection is in his last chapter, chapter 24, right? Chapter 23 ends with the burial of Jesus, so it's all in chapter 24. So what does chapter 24 in Luke tell us about the resurrection well we get kind of three main stories the first story is that the ladies go to the tomb and they find it empty and they come back and they tell the men and none of the men believe any of the women okay um like there's lessons to be learned in that maybe a bit awkward but that's story one that we can pick from um the second story is the road to emmaus which is a very beautiful story but Actually, I talked about that last year, so I was like, well, I don't want to repeat. Some of you might remember that. So then the, the third option is at the very end, where it's just some of the last words of Jesus um, before he ascends. So it's all right. That's what we're going with. What has been interesting, though, remember that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. And the book of Acts, like some people have described it as a, a, a book about the early church. Some people have described it a book about the Holy Spirit. But the first part of Acts actually overlaps with, with the last part of Luke because both of them give different accounts on those last days of Jesus bef before he ascended into heaven. So I'm going to read some scripture to you, a fair bit. I'm going to read the very last part of Luke to, to see wh what we get there, but then I'm actually going to go ahead and read the first few verses of Acts as well too. So I'm in Luke uh, chapter 24. Ver, uh, starting in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands on my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And that's how Luke ends. And I love the, the last line that Luke ends with. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. So that's, that's how Luke ends his account of the, the life of Christ. Then Luke also writes the book of Acts and he opens it with this. And so we have a, a slightly different account of those last days, those last moments. I'm just starting in the beginning. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when they had said these things, they were all looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. I know we talk about this a lot, but the, the, the story just demands it, that on that Easter morning that we received salvation, gift of salvation, offer of salvation, Right? But it's, it, it, we, you know, it's more than just fire insurance, right? Like, this is more than just escaping the flames of hell. Like, this is restored relationship with God. It's fascinating to me, all these different religions around the world scrambling to, to earn some kind of connection or assurance on life after death and, and just, you know, working so hard for it. And then Jesus literally says... Yeah, you can't earn it, but if you want it, I'll give it to you. It's free. Would you like it? Here it is. On Good Friday, we looked at the story of the woman who 
who goes to anoint the feet of Jesus. And, but before she can do that, she's overcome with emotion and, and begins to weep and ends up washing the feet of Jesus with her tears. And, and, and having nothing else at hand, she dries his feet with her hair and kissing his feet and ultimately then anointing them with perfume. And I had never really reflected, like deeply reflected on, on that story and, until this past week, but I now see it as just one of the most powerful and emotional and honest and grateful expressions of forgiveness and, of, and really of understanding what was gained through forgiveness uh, just in, in all the New Testament. And I ended, you know, Friday night with, with this thought that one day when we stand before God and we understand more deeply what we were saved from and what we were saved to, that we will envy that woman. That we will wish that we had had the opportunity and, and the courage and the bravery and the gratitude and the love to do what, what she did as a thank you for the salvation we received. It's important to remember as well that, that salvation is not just about the afterlife, right? The gospel, the, the kingdom of God has so many implications for our day-to-day life as well. I mean, it just changes everything. Uh, we, we read how Jesus spoke at length with his followers about the kingdom of God um, in Acts. He presented himself to them alive, um, appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. The fullness of the kingdom of God will, will come when Jesus comes a second time, right? But a part of that kingdom is expressed now. And I think that's why Jesus repeatedly says, right, like that there, that there were those amongst his followers who would not taste death before they saw the kingdom of God come. Um, in the end of Luke's account, we read, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Uh, and then in Acts 1, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What happened on the cross gives you and I vision and purpose for what we do with our, our day-to-day lives. The kingdom of God shapes Biblical justice and, and how we treat the orphan and the widow and the immigrant and the poor and the oppressed. And the kingdom of God gives us purpose that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations. The kingdom of God gives structure to our, our local church and how we organize and our agenda and what does success look like. All of you have unique careers and jobs and, and professions Um, But all of that, your job, my job, careers, it all comes under that that banner, that vision of what does it look like to have this, this, the kingdom of God, the repentance from sins proclaimed to all the nations. You know, it's been, I I think it was C.S. Lewis who would talk about, you know, the best person to speak to a lawyer about the kingdom of God is the Christian lawyer. And the best person to speak to, you know, the doctor or the farmer or the teacher about the kingdom of God is the Christian doctor or farmer or teacher, right? Our, our professions come under that. And then on top of that, right? I mean, you guys 
serve on boards and you go on mission trips and, and you, you donate and some of you battle in the spiritual realm and some of you teach and some of you raise kids to know all of this. But always under that, that banner, that vision of the kingdom of God. I was surprised to see that one of the things that gets mentioned so often in the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts was the Holy Spirit. Typically, we don't associate Holy Spirit with Easter. But Luke 24, I'm sending the promise of my Father. Stay in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, wait for the promise of the Father. Uh, You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It was interesting to me just how much Luke is is emphasizing the, the coming Holy Spirit. Some have described Acts, you know, as a book about the early church, and some have said, well, actually, the book of Acts is a a book more about the Holy Spirit than anything. But if we're going to talk about what was accomplished on Easter, according to Luke, we also have to talk about the Holy Spirit as well. And how amazing, like, I still don't get this, how amazing that a part of God now lives within us. Like, that doesn't, like, I can say the words, but, like, the fullness of that, just, right? Like, just the confines of a human mind can't fully encapsulate what all that means. That when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. 1 Corinthians 6, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. 2 Corinthians 6, we are a temple of the living God. 2 Timothy 1, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Romans 8, uh, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. His Spirit who dwells in you. And I think one of the things even that we see in this already is is how the Holy Spirit helps us understand Scripture, right? Because at the end of, of Luke... It talks about Jesus had to open their minds to understand scriptures, but we have the Holy Spirit to help us understand scriptures. Scripture doesn't make sense, honestly, unless you have the Holy Spirit, right? He communicates to us. He helps us understand scripture. Like, no Holy Spirit, and, like, the Bible just isn't, like, it's never going to click. Like, it's never going to make a lot of sense. It's not because people are dumb. There's actually really smart people out there. But it's a spiritual matter. And spiritual matters require spiritual understanding. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he would talk about those who were ever hearing but never understanding and never seeing but never perceiving that without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Scripture is misunderstood. We, like other churches and other denominations, um, place a high value on Scripture. We love the Bible. We think it's true. We preach through it. Just pick a book or a topic. Just beginning to end, work our way through it. Um, we love it. But at the same time, we recognize that, that Scripture is not God. It points us to God. It was a very fascinating moment for me. I remember hearing a couple people who I respect very a, a lot, and they, they were giving warning, and they were talking about the frustration about people who had literally made the Bible into the idol. In that they would obsess over the Bible and not the one who wrote it. 
And I think that's actually part of what the Pharisees did as well, too. And I've heard, I don't know if you've heard this or not, maybe this is just lame theologians joking, Um, but they'll talk about like a church or denomination and how they believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. But (laughs) problem is, though, that it's not Father, Son, Holy Scriptures, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus frequently mentions power from the Holy Spirit in this section of Luke and the beginning of Acts. And that is something that all of us need on a regular basis. Um, I do not, this sounds weird coming from a pastor, I do not consider myself a talkative person, nor an opinionated person. Hang with me. I have developed opinions, right? But we could probably all name, like, that individual where you just name a topic, and they will just talk for 20 minutes, even if they know nothing about it, right? Like, that's all they need, and they're gone. No looking around the room, eyes forward. But, like, there's that, like, there's that person, you know? Um, not me. I can't, I can't do that. My opinions come slow. Well, what that means, though, is that every week when I write a sermon, it's like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to say. All right, here's a piece of scripture. What does that have to say? Okay, what do we do with this? Because ultimately the, the question, right, is like, Lord, what's the message for this people, for this day, from this text, right for 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 this setting and then it's just kind of this long frustrating drawn out process that for me honestly is more of a creative process based on inspiration probably more than anything else and that's frustrating because you can't schedule that and you can't put that in a block of time but if the holy spirit is not communicating to me and other speakers, if the Holy Spirit is not communicating to Christine as she preps music and to our, all of our adult small group leaders as they lead our small groups and lead in discussion and to our, our elementary kid teachers as they lead and, and work through and guide discussion and Joni as she preps bulletin and leadership team as they offer leadership and vision and just all the every ministry that's under the banner of this church like if there's not some sense of the holy spirit leading us and guiding us then this is little more than a social club with kind of quirky benefits like first thessalonians 5:19 do not quench the spirit do not extinguish do not put out do not ignore Every single one of you needs the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day life. I don't care what your profession is. I don't care if you think it's boring or exciting. You need the Holy Spirit. Teachers, farmers, retired folks, accountants, moms, dads, students. Like, you just need God. And you need Him communicating to you in some fashion on a pretty regular basis. And how amazing that because of the cross... Our day-to-day life, a part of God, is, is, is leading and speaking and guiding and prompting and warning and comforting and healing and restoring. A lot happened at the cross. More than we realize, I believe. Well, we know that we are saved. And we know that we have been offered renewed relationship with God. 
We know that, that the kingdom of God gives us purpose and direction and, and shapes church and justice and, and vision and how we go about our day-to-day lives. And we know that because of that, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, leading, communicating, speaking. And I still maintain that a million years from now, we will still consider this the greatest day in the history of everything. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful. We realize that there's much that we are ignorant of and that we don't fully grasp and understand. But Lord, we understand a few things pretty well. That we were sinners and that you saved us. That the message of repentance from the forgiveness of sins needs to go out to all the world. Lord, and that because of you and what happened, we can have the Spirit of God living within us. And Lord, that is, that is a remarkable thing. And we are so very, very grateful. Lord, we want to be faithful as well, too. Lord, with all that you have entrusted into our care, I pray that for each person here, that one day they would stand before you and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray that for each person here, that they would be found faithful for all that you entrusted into their care, Lord. Pray that you would watch over this group, keep them, protect them, We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.